Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was Slow Bleed from Ventura County, California. The song was called The Law, Atonement Through Blood, and it's off of their new record, A Blazing Sun, The Fiery Dawn, due January 14th on Creator Destructor Records. They're obviously a hardcore slash metal band, and they're pretty damn heavy, and that's their debut LP. So be on the lookout for that. They had a lot of uh, familiar names working on this one with, uh, let's see, Taylor Young from The Pit. Uh, you know him. Uh, you know his work. Uh, Will Putney did a, little, did a little additional sound design on it. And Brad Boatwright mastered it. So these are all names that you already know. And this sounds pretty damn good if I have to say so myself. So be on the lookout for that record. Might be the first good record of January 2022. It's going to get hard to get used to saying that year. 2022. 20222. How many twos did I accidentally put in there? It doesn't matter. You can't have too many twos in 22. The year of 22. What the fuck am I talking about? Let's get on with the podcast. On this episode, I've got an interview with Connor Donegan, the drummer for Genocide Pact. They just put out an awesome record, which is also called Genocide Pact. It's out now on Relapse Record. It came out December 3rd. So we're going to talk all about that and all sorts of other things. So let's get into it. Check it! Make family out of friends! Make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family! Make friends till they bury me! All the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Where you getting it out? Okay, so here we are with what may be the last episode before Christmas. The last episode of the year, even? I don't think it's going to be that. It might not even be the last episode before Christmas, but I'm just putting it out there that it could be. I guess any episode could be the last episode before Christmas, as long as it's before Christmas. Even if it's after Christmas, it could be the last episode before Christmas. You follow, right? You understand how that works. It's cyclical. Is that the way we're supposed to say it's in a cycle? It's a, it's a, the calendar's round. It's a circle. Does it, right? Isn't it? I think so. Um, Except for leap year. I don't know what that is. I think it's just a bigger circle. But anyway, um, this is episode 202, if you're keeping track. I'm not. I just happen to know that exact. Uh, so it's been 202 episodes until somebody at my work that I didn't directly tell I had a podcast mentioned my podcast to me. Um, 202 episodes, almost four years. Well, more than four years. Uh, so it was, a, it was a long run. I knew people knew. Okay, It was just something I don't bring up usually. It's not something I talk about. It's a it's a conversation I try to avoid, not for any reason in particular. Okay, probably for a lot of reasons in particular, but because I'm just uh, like closed off at work. I don't want to talk about what I I don't want to talk about what I, what I like, right? Uh, but I don't know why. I don't know why that is. It's some kind of insecure thing. But it came up the other day. I uh, had a conversation about it, and uh, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. All the things that I'm always worried about usually aren't too bad. Um, I don't mind if people know that I do a podcast, obviously. It's just sometimes you're like, uh, I don't know, it feels like uh, you want to keep uh, church and state separate, right? You just don't want people, just don't want people to know too much. But what I do want people to know about 
is Genocide Pact. Even though you probably already know about Genocide Pact, I don't think I'm the one bringing it to your attention for the first time. They're a great death metal band out of Washington, D.C. And their drummer, Connor Donegan, was nice enough to take time and have a conversation with me about the band and their new self-titled record out now on Relapse Records. I gotta be honest, it was a little tempting to talk hardcore with Connor because he's got uh, feet in both worlds, hardcore and metal. And uh, he's been in some great bands from both genres. And for some reason, when someone's like playing hardcore and they're really into like another genre, I want to talk about that. And when they're playing another genre and they're really into hardcore, I want to talk. About, I want to talk about the opposite thing that they're that we're supposed to be talking about. But I didn't. I resisted. I didn't bring up the fact that he was in line of sight. I didn't go on the my usual tangents because that relates to Youngblood Records and blah, blah, blah. And it's the same thing you've heard me talk about before on past podcasts. So I didn't do it. So now I'm just summarizing the things that I didn't do in this conversation. But now I'm going to let you listen to what I did do in this conversation. But first, I'm going to play you a song off of Genocide Pack's self-titled album out now on Relapse Record. This song is called Perverse Dominion. There's a video for it and everything. Go check it out. We talk a little bit about a little bit about that video. So uh, here, listen to Perverse Dominion.
started to get interested in like punk music around 2003, 2004. So I was born in 93, so I would have been about 10 years old. And uh, at first it was like, you know, Green Day and Rancid and bands like that, you know, that were obviously very, yeah, exactly. Stuff that you get into when you're younger. And um, I wasn't really into music before I got into those bands. Like, you know, I, uh, I, I liked like, you know, the Beatles, you know, stuff my parents would play in the car and stuff. But like, you know, I didn't have any like musical taste of my own. I was really just kind of, uh, into sports, you know? Yeah. But then once, uh, a cousin of mine showed me, uh, Green Day, that was sort of when I started going down the, you know, music rabbit hole and I got really into punk and it led me to like the older bands, uh, pretty quickly, like, you know, the clash, the Ramones, dead Kennedys, minor threat, uh, bad brains, all that stuff. And then from there, uh, you know, metal hit pretty soon after that for me, like Sabbath, Metallica, Iron Maiden, you know, all the, you know, the classics really. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept going, man. And I, I was just very uh, attracted to any extreme music that I heard or extreme to me, you know, yeah. whether it be like, you know, when I'm, you know, I'm 10 or 11 years old, I'm hearing uh, bad religion and being like, this is the fastest thing I've ever heard in my life. And then you hear Slayer and you're like, oh my God, this is even crazier. Like <laughs> that was just sort of what it was all about for me. It was just hearing, you know, the heavier, uh, you know, the heavier and the faster, the better. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I, that's kind of how I got into it. And it just sort of, uh, you know, it just went, from there and and you know here we are i guess close to 20 years later yeah that's that's interesting because you and i are about just about 10 years apart right i'm it's about 10 years older than you so yeah but so but it's interesting because it's kind of the same right it's it's almost it's almost even the same bands but it's 10 years no, later. i know that's the weird thing <laughs> about people no see i mean really it's a unique thing with people who are my age and people who are your age yeah. was that it is the same bands, it's just that they had... Just different eras. Yeah. ...resurgence of popularity, like, in the early 2000s. You know? Right, so when you when you say Green Day in two, in, 2000, in the early 2000s, what, it, what, what Green Day is that? Well, originally it was Dookie. Uh, that was the, the one I was exposed to first. But then, I mean, uh, the American Idiot album came out, like very soon after that and right, right. it was obviously like everywhere so that was a huge one uh as well and yeah and i mean bad religion was having a pretty big resurgence at the same time rancid as well like, yeah bad religion had that bands. right right around there bad religion had that <clears throat> excuse me had that hit uh sorrow off of the i forget what the name of the record Dude. is but i love that song yeah uh, so the, much the process of belief process of belief that yeah record. yeah that's it that's the one yeah, yeah i love that song man that yeah. song is awesome 
<laughs> that's that's awesome so, and it's it's funny the way like you say like the green day american idiot and that reminds me okay so i graduated high school in 2003 and that was like the, sure. the the one that one song off of there that acoustic one I can't think of what it's called but that was like everybody's class song like it was voted that by your oh, class yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. what I mean like oh, yeah. everybody in that time period yep. that's, that's just the way it was yep. um, but yeah the same bands the same thing but but it, it's 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 funny the way that works and like I'm wondering like I wonder if it can happen again because like I have a I have a 14 year old stepdaughter right and she's into Green Day. And like she's just she just totally. went to go she just went to go see him, you know that was like yeah <laughs> like so it's funny how it's just like I I think at it this keeps point, happening bands like that yeah I, I think they're just like they become like just popular bands that like like because even like you know kids younger kids now they I mean they still get into Metallica yeah you know yeah like they still they still get into Led Zeppelin like it, it's maybe not like the the main thing that younger kids get into, but right. like, you know, as somebody who works at a record store, like I can tell you, man, like you get kids all the time who come in wearing the same, you know, Metallica ride the lightning shirt that you can buy at TJ Maxx that, you know, I, you know, one of my friends or I would have worn in 2005, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean though? Like, it's just kind of, those bands are just kind of part of, of, of society and part of music and i think that's just kind of how it is now yeah no I, I, I think you're absolutely right and you obviously have that cool perspective working in a record store i always thought working in a record store would be the, the coolest job ever and uh yeah it probably is. Thing, i don't awesome. I, I don't know like i mean i don't know how i don't know if i could do it now like as a family guy with kids and a house and all that stuff. Like, I don't know how, how well that you business definitely is. Could not. Yeah, no way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is cool. Yeah. I like to imagine that it, that it was, that it's possible. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you definitely. get in, you get into to that. Then when do you find, when do you find like your local scene? Like where are you growing? Where are you growing up at? First of all, is this DC? No, it's not. I, I didn't grow up in D.C. I grew up in uh, in North Carolina, right outside of uh, Raleigh and Durham. Okay, it's this town called Cary. It's just like a, you know, suburbia. You know, right, could be right. anywhere. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I would go to, um, you know, bigger, like punk shows, like like bands like the Casualties. Yeah, of course. Sort of like street punk kind of stuff. You know, I would go to stuff like that. But, I mean, that's not really like your local scene. You know what I mean? That's like a different thing. So, like, really for me, it was, uh, I started going to death metal shows when I was like 15. And mm -hmm. uh, at this point, I, you know, I had I had basically made the leap from like being into punk and, and hardcore and then getting into metal and metal became you know, everything to me, like it was all I cared about. It was all I listened to. But I started going to death metal shows, you know, seeing a lot of the older bands that were, were, you know, still on the touring circuit, like suffocation and, and, uh, atheist and Nile and, and, you know, obituary and all these bands. And I noticed there was a flyer for a DRI show. And, you know, at this point, like, I didn't even know that DRI had gone metal. I only <laughs> knew them as, like, a fast hardcore band, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Because 
I'm like inept with computers and didn't know how to like download music and shit. Right. So I just like would buy CDs and I, I only had one DRI CD and it was, uh, the dealing with it album, which is like, you know, it's kind of flash, but it's also it like crossover like very early eighties. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like early eighties hardcore style still, you know? And so, uh, I saw that they were playing this metal club in town and the, the opening bands were like all local, you know, hardcore punk bands. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it really piqued my interest because like I, you know, again, I'm in this little suburban bubble. Like I don't have an older brother or like older friends who are like showing me stuff at this point. Like, so I, I am just like, wait a second, like hardcore, like that stopped in the eighties. Right. Like I didn't <laughs> even know, seriously like i had no idea that it had continued so um it just really intrigued me that there were bands playing hardcore now and so that's sort of when i became aware of the local um like hardcore punk scene in raleigh and pretty soon after that you know i figured out where the house shows were and uh i started to drive you know when i was like 16 Mm -hmm. and so i started going to these shows and uh seeing the local bands and, and, you know, I would pull up in my fucking carcass hoodie with the medical tools on it. And, you know, <laughs> I felt like a freak because everybody else was like, you know, just dressed way more punk and, you know, it was just a different thing for me, you know, and, but it, it really made me, you know, get, you know, dive right back into like punk and hardcore and, um, just that sense of community locally, you know, and being able to go to these local shows where it was just regular people and there was no separation between the audience and the the bands, which was really cool, especially coming from, you know, more of a metal background where that is usually not the case, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was very appealing to me. So I started going to those shows and uh, kind of, you know, the rest is history, started bands and, you know, all that stuff. So is that when you started actually playing in bands, when you found yourself more immersed in the hardcore scene? Well, no, because I, I had been playing in bands before that, but and uh, you know, a few metal bands, and I was in kind of like a like a post-hardcore band like that was just me and friends of mine from my school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had done a bunch of different like musical stuff, uh, you know, some metal, some punk. You know, but uh, when I, yeah, when I was about 17, starting to go to those local, you know, hardcore shows in town, that was like when I started to be in bands that, you know, are more similar to like what I do now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you consider would be, would have been like the first serious band that you were in? Uh, The first one, it was probably, uh, this band called lung matter that I was in back when I lived in North Carolina, which was like, I mean, calling it serious is like not, you know, it, we, it's not like we like toured or, or, or did much, but like we, you know, we like recorded in a real studio and like, yeah, that, I think that, 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 that qualifies then, you know, you record a demo yeah, that's, totally. to me. That's serious. We were, yeah, exactly. We did that. And like we played, uh, out of state. I think we played Richmond, Virginia one time and like you know we played other um cities in North Carolina so that was like my first real experience with like traveling with a band and uh recording in like a real studio and and that so that was really cool but yeah. that band put out uh two tapes and uh 
you know, was over pretty quickly, like probably within <laughs> like a year, a year and a half. You know how it is when you're young, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It can go quick, but it feels pretty awesome and, and worthwhile while you're doing it. But then you look back and be like, holy shit, that, oh, was, a, that was a blip. Like that was <laughs> that's not even real time, you know? Yeah, I, absolutely. For sure. I, and just, just to relate a little bit, um, talking about like coming from an outside, well, coming from like the more metal side of things and then go like, and, and then seeing the, like the hardcore scene or however you were, whatever, how you were saying it. Um, I experienced that in a similar way where I was coming from a, like when I, when I was coming up, like I said, it was the, you know, it was the green days and the rancid and the offspring and all that shit that was in the nineties. And like, there was heavier music was on the radio in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, yeah, right. it was it was there like it was accessible to everybody. But anyway, I would but I also was really like so I was into like this shit that I still love now. And then like I veered off for a really long time into uh, like the new metal stuff, which I, I'm still I still have no problem with. But that's how I went. Sure. That's how that's how I started going to shows was like I would go to a Desperate Measures show or Striking Distance show. But I would pull up in my in my stained and limp biscuit covered <laughs> car and yeah. wear, wearing a corn shirt, just going to the, to the straight edge hardcore show. Like that's just the way I did it. And, uh, and it's thankfully, I don't know if, if you're saying the same thing, but thankfully just the, like seeing how cool it was is what got me more interested in it. Like in how I wasn't like, no, just, I, mean, I wasn't kicked out the door for not being hip. Like it was a, it was, it was I a mean, cool experience. I think that we had very similar experiences and also I want to shout out uh, Desperate Measures. My my boss who owns the record store was the drummer of Desperate Measures. Hmm. So uh, shout out to Gene. Desperate Measures. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, so when do you find yourself going from North Carolina and into the D.C. area? Uh, so I moved to D.C. in 2013. So I was 19 years old. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was just like, you know, kind of sick of living in North Carolina. It's a little, you know, it's, it's the pace of life is slower and, uh, there's not as much going on down there. And, and, uh, you know, I, I also never really appreciated it maybe as much as I should have, because, uh, I'm actually originally from Hartford, Connecticut. And, you know, my whole family is from the Northeast. So we moved down South when I was like 10, you know, and it was like a very foreign world to me that yeah. I never really like adapted to or, or really got used to, you know? Mm -hmm. So by the time I graduated high school, I was like, all right, like I got to get out of here. This is just <laughs> not my, you know, it's, it's just no disrespect, you know, to North Carolina. And honestly, I, I have a lot more love for it now that I, that I've been gone for so long, but, uh, back then, I was like, I need to be in a city where stuff's happening, and you know, I want to be in bands and just do, you know, do stuff. And uh, I had met a few like people my age uh, in DC, like Tim from Genocide Pact, uh, who you know, I I got along with really well, and, and just felt like, you know, that was a place that I felt like I could, you know exist and, and accomplish what I wanted to accomplish and you know turns out I was right so that's that's great you know yeah was was genocide pack the thing before you got there or did you get into that once you arrived pretty much yeah pretty much like Tim and I knew each other 
from uh, his old band is this grindcore band called DOC. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah. they had they had played uh, North Carolina before, and I met him. And you know, it was kind of rare meeting people my age. You know, like most of my friends at that time were older than me, and you know, even when I moved to DC, pretty much all the people I hung out with were older than me. So it was it was rare to to find somebody who's like you know pretty much my exact age. And uh, so Tim and I hit it off, and, and we uh, we were at some show, and we both were wearing a Morbid Angel shirt. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then, I mean, that was kind of not, like, super common, you know? Yeah. Uh, at least not among, like, our group of friends. Because, uh, you know, I, I didn't have a ton of friends who were, were into death metal at all. And so, you know, meeting Tim, and, and you know, we started bonding on, you know, Morbid Angel and Carcass, Obituary, Gorgas, Suffocation, like all those, all those bands, you know. And um, it was just kind of like, hey, we got to do a death metal band, you know. And uh, when I moved up there, it was like pretty much instantaneous. Like we had started the band within a week, you know, we were jamming and writing what would become our demo. So, Yeah, and I, I got to tell you, I feel like I remember very early on hearing about Genocide Pact because I was still in Baltimore until about 2016 and oh yeah I mean we played Baltimore a ton yeah uh, yeah, 2013 to 2016 for sure right and and I was and still am very good friends with uh, Dom from A389 and I know he did Force of Domination oh yeah so so, so I was yeah. I was pretty aware, you know. You, you guys were on the obvious radar because you did a record for you guys. So, um, yeah. So I feel like I got in on the genocide pact train pretty early. Maybe not demo early, but early enough to uh, to be aware. By the time Forge and Domination, am I saying that right? Forge is it Forge and Domination? Uh, Forge through Domination. Forge through yeah. Domination. But yeah. So I. So yeah. I was early on to you guys, and it was a time, which I think is interesting that you're saying this, is like when death metal was becoming more prevalent in other scenes. Does that make sense? In more yeah, like oh, punk absolutely. and hardcore scenes? Like it, it seemed like it was really, it's, it, was, it wasn't what it, where it is now. Like now it, it transcends pretty easily. Like all those genres kind of are, you know, they can be whatever they want, but and it's it's not that long ago, but it seems weird to say that just in 2015, it wasn't as well mixed as it was as it is now. No, it wasn't at all. I mean, there wasn't there weren't even very many bands that played like <laughs> you know old school style death metal. I mean, seriously, there weren't. I mean, it's like you know most of the bands, especially a lot of the ones who are popular now formed like 2016 or later yeah so before that i mean and we had been a band for three years at that point like just we've been doing the same shit for 10 years man i mean this is like you know just something we've always done and you know we'll always do regardless of whether or not it's like the popular thing it but we you know we obviously have benefited uh due to the fact that now it is kind of a popular thing is Mm -hmm. death metal you know yeah, and it's. Do, do you feel that that it's been a huge benefit that you guys, maybe not, but do you feel that you it's been a huge benefit that you guys have this history in 
other parts of extreme music as well? Um, I don't, nah, man, honestly, not really. Like, I don't really, like, because, um, I mean, it depends what, what you mean by that. Because, I mean, I like, you know, obviously, like, we, I, I don't think that we get any, like, you know, people aren't like, oh, my God, it's like a death metal band with a guy from Red Death and the guys from DOC, like, I, I just don't really think that happens. I mean, maybe it does, but like, I don't really think that our other bands have really had much of an effect on, um, you know, Genocide Pact, really. And also, like, um, you know, we early on, like, we, uh, you know, again before there was much of a a old school death metal scene, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, we would mostly play uh, hardcore or grindcore type shows, just because you know I was. I had my feet in the hardcore world and Tim and Nolan had theirs in the grindcore world, but it was like, nobody really like fucked with us at either of those types of shows. <laughs> okay. So it, it really only became like, you know, we, we made it a point like a few years into the band to be like, okay, like we're only going to play metal shows, even if it's to like eight people, you know, playing to eight people who actually like, you know, understand or, or like what we're doing is better than playing to 50 people who like don't care you know what i mean right right right. so so that's what i mean when i say like i don't really think that our outside you know bands or you know the the ties we had to other parts of extreme metal really affected or extreme music really affected uh genocide pack you know what i mean okay yeah i i do know what you mean but here's what i meant by it what i meant by it is like the the basically the the networking, the DIY ethics that come from like the punk and oh, hardcore world, yeah. the the things that like yeah. like I see like you guys have maybe it's I think it's an upcoming show, but like, you're playing an upcoming show like in in New York with like predominantly a hardcore bill, like those like yeah, those types yeah. of connections right. and those like have you been able to um, to benefit from that type? Not necessarily the crowd i don't know necessarily the crowds but more of the networking and the 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 way that oh, yeah, the yeah. way that d- punk rock and hardcore exists without like just the diy shit basically yeah, no definitely yeah sorry i i misunderstood no no no, 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 no. your point was great too but yeah. uh yeah no definitely and also because i think that like you know you look at the the state of like you know, extreme metal right now. And a lot of the more popular bands are, you know, and I'm talking about underground, like I'm not talking about like, you know, ghost or something like that. Like I'm talking about, you know, underground bands, like a lot of the more popular underground bands are are death metal bands. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look like 90, 90, 95% of the time, like those bands are made up of, you know, people who come from punk or hardcore. And I think, I think a big, yeah, and I think a big reason for that is because, you know, the stereotype of, like, you know, a traditional metalhead who's, like, doing, like, arpeggios in their basement and maybe has a band that practices, like, once a week but, like, doesn't really know how to book a show or, like, doesn't really know how to, like, put out a record. And it's, like, that's a real thing, man. And mm-hmm. so, like, you get the the you know the hardcore people and the punk people and the grindcore people who are kind of like 
very used to like DIY stuff, you know, doing their own tours, doing their own shows, putting out their own records. And you, you know, put them in death metal bands. A lot of the times those bands are going to rise to the top because they just know how to, I don't want to say market themselves, but like, yeah, market themselves, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And get themselves out there, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I I do agree. I, I definitely agree that it's helped us in that sense. Like we, you know, we never like waited for anybody to ask us to go on tour. Like we just did it, you know, mm-hmm. we never, you know, waited for people to ask us to put out records. We would just like ask people we knew, you know what I mean? It was like very like organic in that way. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that that's... all comes from that like DIY background, you know, that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I thought. And that's what I was expecting. And yeah, that's, that's great. Well, f- for you personally, been in a couple of straight edge bands there. Are you are you a man of the X yourself? Yeah. yeah. What's that I sure like? Yeah, I thought I thought so. I was pretty positive. Um, but what yeah. is that like in the metal world? I know how it is in the hardcore world. I mean, I've never been to any of it, but I'm sitting here drinking a beer right now. But I know it's it's got to be a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. different in the being a straight edge guy in the metal world, right? Um, or yes not? No, I mean. I, you know, honestly, man, like, I, I don't really make a spectacle out of it, obviously. Like, so, I mean, it, like, it's kind of just like, you know, if you know, if you know me just in general, you know, you probably know that, I, you know, I'm straight edge. But, mm-hmm. you know, when we're on tour with other bands, it's not like they know and it never, like, comes up. And if somebody asks, you know, hey, man, you want a beer? I'm just like, oh, man, I'm good. Thank you, though. Like, it's not, you know, I don't make it a thing. There's no reason to make it a thing. So uh, I wouldn't say it's like nobody's ever, like, given shit for it or anything like that. So, um, Well, I don't know know that I would expect people to give you shit for it, but I think, think like, uh, and maybe this is just me being naive and old guy here, not realizing that the world fucking has called up to itself and people understand that (laughs) straight edge is just a thing and not a weird thing anymore. You know, it's not sure, like, sure. yeah, like, but, uh, but like, you, I know if someone, you know, someone's at a whatever hardcore show and says he doesn't drink, that's totally normal, like, right? But, right. but, uh, but maybe not at a, at a metal crowd, but I don't fucking know. I guess it no, is because I, not. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, I, mean, I right. metal is metal is still heavily like, you know, metal is metal, man. It's always going to be metal. Like, that's, you know, but I don't know, man, like, it's just not my scene and, and metal is my scene, but you know, uh, you know, drinking and shit's not my scene and it's not, it's nothing more than a personal choice. And the only times it can really ever get weird is if, you know, people have some weird, uh, notion. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. That, you know, people who don't drink are like judging them for drinking. It's like, dude, like, get out of your fucking head, man. Like, that's like completely insane, you know. But even that, I've, again, like, I've never really dealt with anybody, like, at least, you know, to my face being like, oh, like, you think you're better than me? Because it's like, no, man. Well, I think, I think you should. I think you should start like Xing up and bringing like Militant Straight Edge to, to death metal. I think it needs yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the bands would maybe be better if they were, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> All right, so, so no, yeah, I guess you. So we, we talked, uh, Genocide Pack starts in the early 2010s, I think we established, yeah. right? The demo came out 2012, 2013, something like that, you said. Um, yep, yep. And Force Through Domination comes in 2015, I want to say. Yeah, and the yep, last right. record was on Relapse, and that was called something I can't remember at the moment. Uh, Order, Order of Torment. Torment. That's in, what it was. Uh, 2018. Yeah. Right, that's Relapse. So that's a big jump from. I mean, A389 at its time when you were on there was bumping, man. That they were pumping out awesome releases yeah. all the time, and then you jumped Definitely. over to Genocide Pack, which, or I'm sorry, to Relapse, which a lot of A389 bands did at the time. Um, yeah, was yeah, that a right. did that feel like a a big jump going to one of the biggest metal labels in I'm going to say history? Uh yeah. I mean, it was it was it was definitely different. Uh, it was it was very cool. Uh, I got to say, relapse is like you know those guys are super down to earth, and uh, even though you're on, you know, you're working with a bigger label, it doesn't feel like it you know what i mean it doesn't it doesn't feel like mechanical or or like you know office type shit it just feels you know like you're talking to other metal heads and it's cool you know so i never thought that the jump was like it, it wasn't like intimidating or or bizarre or anything it was just like okay cool like we're gonna you know be on this label that you know has put out a lot of cool stuff and, and, yeah. and that's what's up. And a lot of the, the other thing was that a lot of the, uh, you know, the bands on eight, three, eight, nine at that time moved over to relapse when Dom sort of stopped, uh, doing the label. Like, yeah, I think it yeah. was like, it was like us integrity, Ilsa and gate creeper. I believe were like the four full hell. Sort of made our, oh, full hell. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, those, all those bands. Oh no, there was even more. I could actually there's Seven Sisters of Sleep. There, it was like it was like the whole roster. <laughs> it was, it was yeah, a lot. It was right. a lot of them. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. But it was very cool. No, it was great. Yeah, and those guys are awesome. So you know, we I have nothing but love for for Relapse. You know. Yeah. Well. So. So. All right. So this is your this is your second Genocide Pact. I should we should say we should mention is the is the new record that just came out the self titled. Which yeah. at this point, so you're three records in, you go with the self. I'm sure you've been asked this question, but why is this one the self-titled record? 
Um, it's just uh, we decided to to self-title it just because, you know, to us it feels like the definitive genocide pact record. And, you know, honestly, it, it it's the record that we've always wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, we took more time, you know, even like down to like the art and the layout, you know, than we ever have before. So uh, we just felt like it was appropriate to self-title it. And also like, you know, like we could – give it some three word brutal, you know, get <laughs> and destruction like yeah. name, but like, fuck it. I mean, dude, like people don't remember that shit. And like, you know, if anything, self-titling the record has been, you know, as effective as we thought that it would be because we have so many people being like, well, why'd you self-title it? And it's like, yeah. well, that's cooler than, you know, people, you know, trying to remember some three word, like, you know, ghastly death metal title or whatever. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Well, did you hear me list list your last two records? I got them wrong at least once. Each. No, I know, <laughs> I mean, dude. You're living proof, and yeah. I mean, you're not alone. A lot. I think that's true, but I think that's true across the board with a lot of death metal bands. You know, like yeah, uh, it's really easy to fall into that. Like, you know, just kind of it's easy to do, and we just decided that we didn't want to do it. You know, it's really just as simple as that. That's good. That's a great answer. And you know, it's it's interesting. I ha- I was talking to um, Nick Anderson, and oh yeah, way, and you know, from Entombed. Of course, you know, you're of a drummer. Course. You're a death yeah. metal drummer. Of course, you know. Yeah, but we were, about, <laughs> we were talking about we were talking about Lucifer. We were talking to him and his, his wife Johanna about Lucifer and uh, how Lucifer names all. You know, that's just a, it's just their rock band, right? But they name they just have all their records as one, two, three, four, right? And I yeah. I, I said to you. You know, how did you come up with that? And his answer was, I wish I had come up with it years ago because it just takes all of it. It takes all the shit out of it. Like it's if you just name your records in sequential order, you know, if you just go one, two, three, four, five, whatever. He's like, it just, you know, it makes sense. It's easy. And uh, I think it's a good way to look at it. But you can't I mean, I guess you could you could start now. Genocide Pact one, two, three, four. But yeah, you know, it's I'm kind of into that idea. I think it would be cool to uh have our next record be like Genocide Pack 2, you know. That'd the sequel. Be cool. Even Genocide though it would be our fourth record, you know. <laughs> well, it just changed. <laughs> All you had to do is change one letter and add a number. How about how about this? Take me up on, take, this is my offer to you. It's just next record is Genocide Part 1 or 2. Yeah. Yeah, just change the C to go. an R and then add a number at the end. And just do that for the rest. Easy. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> love yeah. it i think that's a great idea <laughs> good all right you don't even have to pay me for it it's good but all right so when did this oh, record when did this record come about like i know talking to a lot of people over the last two years a lot of these records are pandemic records is this a pandemic record for you for genocide Pact yeah. in any oh, sense yeah. from the writing to yeah, recording definitely. everything uh pretty much everything yeah i mean we uh tim the singer and guitar player and i uh we write everything together And uh, we had started writing parts for the album, like specifically the song uh, Perverse Dominion and uh, a couple other tracks. Like we had started um, writing those probably like, I want to say like late 2018, early 2019. Mm -hmm. So kind of a while ago, you know, was when we started doing uh, some of that stuff, but then, you know, we were touring a lot at the time and, uh, I was also, you know, touring with other bands as well. So it was hard 
for us to get together. And uh, we had actually sort of predetermined like that 2020 was going to be the year that we buckle down and write and record a new album. And then, you know, once the pandemic hit, it was like, oh, well, cool. We don't even have a choice. Like, that's all we can do. Yeah. So <laughs> it actually worked out in our favor, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, all right, so you mentioned something earlier on my last question that I wanted to go back to because I just remember, and you mentioned something here about Perverse Dominion that I want to talk about too. But first, you talked yeah. about the time you took with the artwork for this record. And I noticed yeah, something yeah. I noticed something about um, Genocide Pact album artworks through the last three records is they've been very different, different styles. Yeah. At least, you know, Definitely. but but all very familiar to the metal world. So why did you go this way with this record on the cover? I should say. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, another reason why, like, we um, self-titled this record was because it's uh, like, even just like aesthetically, we sort of have settled on, you know, how we want to do stuff from here on out. Uh, we okay, got a new logo. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like we kind of just changed a lot about the aesthetic that we had been, you know, thinking about um, doing for quite a while. And you know, the first record we had our our buddy Joshi from uh, Ilsa. Band Ilsa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, awesome guy. You know, oh, he's hilarious. Yes. He, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> he uh, he did the artwork for the first one and. and mm. I love the artwork for that record. I think it's sick. And then on the second album, we sort of decided to, you know, we, we had the, you know, the budget with relapse and we just were like, Hey, let's fucking get Joe Patagno to do something. Like right. we had never even considered, you know, having like a, a famous artist, you know, do something for us until then. And, mm -hmm. you know, we kind of had the finances to, to make it happen. And, so we made it happen and, and that, you know, painting is very cool. But uh, at the end of the day, like, you know, it, it, it's a sick album cover, but I don't really think that it represents, you know, Genocide Pact as well as, you know, even the first album cover did. Yeah. So for this, you know, for the self-titled album, it was like, all right, well, we got to like, we got to just decide on our aesthetic and like really just go for it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, we kind of took the grindcore influence, especially that's you know heavy on Tim and Nolan's side of the uh, of the band, and you know we wanted to make something that reflected, uh, you know, the horrors of reality, mm -hmm. uh, not fantasy. You know, so we had like real life, you know, violence and struggle depicted on the album, and and in a, you know, in a terrorizer or napalm death or brutal truth sort of way. Yep. And that's just kind of what we're, you know, that's what we're going to be doing, you know, and that's, that's sort of what, where we're at. And, uh, I think it works the best for us because I, it also, you know, uh, reflects the lyrical content, uh, as well. So. No, that's, it's very cool. And it's interesting. You said all those, a lot of those things. Cause like, I know Joshi's work when I see it, right? Because I've, but, but when I totally, see, yeah. but when I see Joshi's work, I think it's, I think Ilsa right away, no matter what, no matter what he does, I think Ilsa because of all the Ilsa out, you know, because every Ilsa album has his, 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 his hand on it. Right. When I see, uh, what's his name? The Patagno guy. Um, I think 
it's it. Uh, you're right. It doesn't quite match up with what I think of genocide pack, but this, this more so it does. You know, and, but I do. I see the napalm death and the terrorizer. Um, who who actually did this? And I see the grindcore and maybe some D beat stuff. Well, who 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 did this album cover? Uh, the artist prefers to be uncredited, so I'll leave it at that. That's pretty cool too. <laughs> yeah, it's a rare. It's rare. I mean, yeah. it's not every day that you get an artist who doesn't want to be credited. But yeah, the artist prefers to be uncredited. Well, that's that's very cool then, and I and I like what you're saying about finding an aesthetic for the band and settling into it. And if that's what you're doing here, that's awesome. Cause like, I mean, just, just on the last, uh, last episode I put out, at least I was talking to Phil from chemists and we were talking about how with the chem, when I look at a chemist record, I know I'm looking at a chemist record. It doesn't have to say chemists on it. You know, it's just, Oh, it's, totally. It's, yeah. And that's, and that's the idea, right? That's the whole, exactly. That's the whole idea. And I think that, you know, any, any, uh, albums that we release in the future, you know, are going to have a similar vibe. And, uh, you know, I hope that people can recognize, you know, Genocide Pack's new aesthetic when they see it. And, you know, I hope that carries on in the future, you know. Right, right. Okay, so, all right, back what I was going to ask about, uh, Perverse Dominion. Perverse Dominion, you did a yeah. you did a video for this song, and right? Yeah, yeah, and you recorded it. It's kind of like under an under an overpass, right? Yeah, and so you've recorded more than a couple music videos, I'm sure, in the several bands you've been in, right? Yeah, yeah. So yep. this, this was just me. I was just I was watching this video today while I was on the elliptical, and all I was thinking is they're out in public. It doesn't seem like the most public area. It seems pretty secluded, but I'm sure some people probably noticed they were there. And I was looking, and I was like, all right, the drummer is the only one who can't fake what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, I, was, <laughs> I was playing for real. So how much, when you're in a, like a public area like that, how much attention does that bring? How much, how much do other people start popping up from around the way? Yeah, I mean, so we were, we were actually in Baltimore uh, when we filmed that video. Of course and, we were. And uh, we were we were very close to, you know, one of the main drags right off the highway where there's like, you know, Royal farms and like, you know, you could, see there's always like a Royal the farms. Raven. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But like, yeah. you know, we could see like the Raven stadium and stuff sure, where yeah. we were filming. And, uh, so we really weren't that far from stuff. You know what I mean? Like we were pretty, we were pretty in the mix, but like, you know, I, all you do really is you, you mute your drums, like you stuff them with towels and shit. And, uh, you hope that it's not that noisy. <laughs> and, uh, we had a few people, you know, come up and say what's up and just, but everybody was cool. Nobody seemed to really give a shit that we were doing what we were doing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it went really well. That's cool. It's, you know, me not being a, me thinking drums are the most complicated thing on earth. I didn't realize you or even think, that you could mute them. I mean, now that you say it, it's like, oh yeah, you can do that. <laughs> but see, in my mind, I'm just imagining oh, yeah. you're you're the only one out there just banging on shit because they can. <laughs> the drummer and guitar, or, I'm sorry, the guitars, bass, vocals, you can fake that, right? But not you. Got to see you hit something. Totally. No. <laughs> nope. Yeah, you gotta. You know, you gotta at least you know act like you're playing hard. You know, so that's yeah. that's all there is to it. 
how do you when you're doing something when, when you decide to do something like that how did you decide on an area like under an overpass in baltimore especially being a dc band like how do you how do you just decide on that spot um well uh Tim lives in Baltimore, actually, our singer. And, okay. uh, you know, we we obviously, like, you know, are very, very, very familiar with, with Baltimore. And uh, I think there, I mean, really, it was just decided on because there's way less of a chance of uh, the cops being called, mm-hmm. you know, over there. Like, you know, D.C. has some, some, some grimy, cutty spots for sure that we probably could have filmed in, but, like, I don't know. It just felt like easier to do it in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any issues at all. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that spot, that spot was sort of like known as like, I think like there's like a skate, skate spot over there. And like, it's just like kind of a known place where like people hang out and stuff, you know? I got you. I got you. All right. That's, and that's funny you said that about Baltimore because all the years I lived there, I don't remember the cops intervening ever with anything. <laughs> like, no, you can like, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, we, like, we used to always you say... You do anything. Yeah, you used to always say, like, um, the, the only way you get a DUI in Baltimore is if you get in a car accident. The only, like, the only way you get arrested for anything. I mean, you have to... You, I've seen people get away with things that you shouldn't get away with. You, you know what I mean? Like, I've, absolutely no. Like, it's a it's a wild place, man. It yeah. really is. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy part of the country. Glad I don't live there anymore because now I'm an adult and I have no business <laughs> being there. Um, but <laughs> for sure, no, but I, no dish to Baltimore. No, no, not at all. It's more of a respect to Baltimore. It's uh, you got to know when to get yeah. out, though. You got to know when to leave, and I feel like I left at the right time. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. So who did I know in the past? Speaking of Baltimore, you recorded with Kevin Bernstein at Developing Nations. Who did you record this album with? Uh, same, same deal, Kevin. We same always record dude. with Kevin. All right, I recorded yeah. with Kevin a couple oh, yeah. times myself. And uh, where, nice. where yeah, is great he? guy. Shout out to Kevin. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Burn. Bernstein, not Bernstein, or Bernstein, I think yeah, is Bernstein. very important. Yep. <laughs> so this album's been out now for a couple, was a week, maybe a week, not quite, a little uh, over a week. Yeah, it'll be a week tomorrow. A week tomorrow. Yeah. All right, how's it been? How's the reaction been so far? What's what's the consensus on Genocide Pack? Dude, it's um, it's honestly been great, man. Like, uh, I, I'm like very, you know, very happy with the way that people have seemed to receive the record and it's been mm-hmm. selling really well. And, uh, you know, it just like people seem to like it and, you know, feel like it's our best record, which obviously we agree with. And, you know, also like, I think people really like, you know, they really get where we're coming from on this record. Like, cause, you know, um, the way I put it to other people is, is just that like, you know, the first album was like us figuring it out, uh, very primitive, very raw. Second album is us experimenting and, you know, kind of flexing our muscles a little bit on the instruments and, and the song structures. And then this album is us saying, you know, fuck flexing our muscles. Let's mm-hmm. just do what we did you know, early on, but do it better, you know, yeah, do it the yeah. best that we can now that we've, you know, 
uh, toured a lot and played to a lot of people and just, you know, been around the block. So uh, it feels good that people kind of have that same perspective. You know, they're like, oh, it sounds like, you know, early genocide pack, but it's better. It's like, yeah, that, that's the whole point. Like, that's exactly what we wanted to do. Yeah, that's 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 a very important thing that I think I think is a necessary like process for a band to do the things that you're talking about though. Like you know you have that first role. Oh, one, totally. Yeah. And then and yeah. then you try to go outside your box a little bit and then you realize and then you realize your strengths and go, "Okay, let's do it like this and make it even tighter and no, better." Totally. And, and expand on it. That's it's it's a cool Absolutely. evolution of a band to see. You have you have to like take a couple of risks and then see what you like, see what you don't like, see what feels good, see what doesn't feel good, and then you can go back, you know, more focused than you were before, and you know, just go in, in into kill mode and just be the best version uh, of yourself that you can be. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, was there any apprehension at all about releasing this record this late in the year? I know that can be a thing for some people, some people not so much. Was there any concern about releasing a record yeah, on December third? Absolutely. Yeah, because all the fucking like moron music journalists like make their <laughs> end of year lists in like fucking September. So yeah. yeah, definitely. Like I mean, I'm just saying I'm just being honest. Like that's just the truth. Yes, um, but hold on, hold on a second. Let me, I don't I'm gonna look in my email right now and see. But see, to be fair. Genocide Pact hit my email on November second, so you, you got to give your yeah, uh, no, yeah totally. like so, so they did get it out there. They did get, they did get it out. Not 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 early. No, but, oh yeah, relapse yeah. did a great job. But I'm yeah. I'm saying like these you know these things are decided well before yeah. you know November a lot of the time even. So um, no, like you know yeah, I definitely had apprehensions about it. But at this point, like I you know I didn't care because it was like we had recorded it in fucking november of of last year mm -hmm. you know what i mean so like the options were i mean like what are we going to do are we going to wait another like four months yeah yeah because you don't want to be you, know? you don't want to be early in 2022 either right <laughs> no exactly and that's that's right we never release albums at a good time like uh <laughs> order of torment came out in like like february 1st or something like, yeah it's, it's not like a good time yeah worst timing ever and like some bands are better at you know they have it more down to a science because they understand you know how the uh the uh music journalist machine works and it's like <laughs> you gotta get your album out in like basically like august or september that's yes like that's exactly spot, right you know? that is the sweet spot yeah i know trust me trust me brother yeah. i know so but <laughs> we uh we have never been able to do that and honestly like you know at the end of the day it doesn't fucking matter you know because right people are going to hear the music regardless of whether it comes out in December or August or April or whatever, you know, like it, it doesn't matter to me if it ends up on some fucking, you know, best of the year list or whatever. It, it just matters that people hear it and people, you know, like it, you know, that's really all that matters to me. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like that's the case so far. So that's, that's gotta be considered a win, but just out of curiosity, Totally, yeah. What is your favorite record of 2021? Um, off the top question. of your head. I, off the top of my head, my favorite record is uh, the Dream Unending album that came out on uh, 
twenty bucks spin. Well, see, it's a little unfair because you, you got you got yes, I have of course, but you have you have ties to that one. So I think I think I, you got to yeah, do. I, mean, I think listen, we got to disqualify listen. that one. I'm making you disqualify. Oh, it. get it. So pick it. Pick another <laughs> okay. one. Okay. Uh, let's see if we're gonna disqualify Dream. Oh, okay. My my other favorite uh, was from the hardcore band Gods from Japan. Uh, oh, they okay. released a new. Yeah, they released a new CD this year, and uh, it's fucking awesome, man. It's it's so good. It just sounds exactly how they've always sounded, and and you know I loved it. So that was my other favorite release of the year. But there were plenty of other good ones, man. Like, you know, I think this was a really, really, really strong year for uh, new music, especially new heavy music. You know. Yeah, I sat down the other day and tried to do my journalistic duty and write down a list of 10 and then like totally. uh, like an hour later it was tough, well an hour later it was 50 <laughs> like i'm not exaggerating exactly. like it right. became it became a list of 50 and i think i feel like and it's funny to say this because but but i really do think it it's funny to say this because right away a record was is my number one without even thinking about it that i never thought it would be and it's almost everybody else's number one too, and it's the Turnstile record. And I don't know how that happened, but it is. Oh yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I don't. I can't. Sure. I can't deny it. But then it's like, all right. So then I then I have a couple more that are in there. I'm, I got I, I this. I got to publish this whole thing, so I can't give them all away. But there's you know, it's like chemists. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like all all these. It's just like damn. Like it just keeps going. It's like I don't want to leave that one out. I don't want to leave that one out. And then it just goes on too Absolutely. fucking long. And then you end up with a list of hundred, and it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's just like a, a testament to like, you know, we're we're in a good place right now with 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 heavy music and you know even non heavy music. There's a lot of interesting music being made uh, across the board, so that that's a great thing, you know. Yeah, what do you, do, do you listen to predominantly heavy and extreme styles of music, or, or is there something that you regularly go to that's not there? Oh, no, I listen to all kinds of music, man. Like, I, I mean, obviously, like, you know, uh, punk and metal and, and stuff is, is like my, you know, if I had to choose a favorite, I guess, you know, that would be my favorite stuff. But like, I don't know, man, like I listen to all kinds of stuff. I listen to, uh, I listen to a ton of rap. I listen to a ton of alternative rock. I listen to a ton of like jazz fusion and uh, funk music. And, and I listen to, you know, some African music. I listen to everything, you know, I, I really... I just love music. Like, doesn't matter what style it is, you know. Uh, I don't really like country music. That's kind of the one that I'm not really into. But uh, you can't you can't even go like the classic style country. That doesn't do it. You can't do it. It's okay. It just doesn't. It. I mean, listen. I'm too much of a Yankee for that stuff. It's just not. Are my you? Thing, you know? Are you though? Because you grew up in North yeah. Carolina, and that's yeah, the fucking South. Carolina, oh, that's right. You're from. I know. Yeah. I'm not from <laughs> yeah. there though, so I don't. I don't have an ounce of that in my blood at all. All right. <laughs> so, I like to say you know. I don't, but I grew up in Pennsylvania, and if you're not in, if you're not in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, then you're basically in the fucking South anyway. So yeah, yeah. that is a fact for sure. <laughs> Even though I grew time. up 45 minutes north of Baltimore, I might as well have been in the South. But you know, totally. <laughs> no, it, it really does feel. It, it was kind of bizarre to me when I first started going to Pennsylvania, living up here. You know, like. I was like, Jesus, this just feels like North Carolina. 
It's like, fucking weird, man. It's weird. I, 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 I don't was, mean that in a bad way either. I just was surprised. Oh, I do. I always thought of I, I mean, as like a I mean North, in a bad way. northeastern sort of state. <laughs> okay, gotcha. It's, it's funny. <laughs> uh, when I was living in, I always tell this, well, I don't know if I always tell this, but I tell people this a lot. When I was living in Baltimore, and like I told you, I moved back to Pennsylvania in 2016. So that was yeah. the year of a presidential election that's kind of famous now. And when I was oh, li- I when I was yeah. living in Baltimore, I thought it was the craziest thing in the world and nobody would ever do it to vote Donald Trump president. I really I was living in Baltimore looking around like who who would do it? Who would do that? Like I'm I don't see right. anybody who would do it. And then I moved back to Pennsylvania in like July of that year. And I was like, oh, everybody will do it. It was like, oh, this, the, the rest of the world will do it. I'm just not in a major city anymore. Like, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a weird one. A totally weird one. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. I mean, that's perfectly said, you know. What is happening in the near future? Are you doing any, is there any tours set up or what's going on? Yeah, uh, we have, um, a tour of, of only Florida that we're oh. going to do with, yeah, just Florida. And we're going in February, which is why we're going to only Florida. Nice, uh, nice. Because it'll be <laughs> nice and warm instead yeah, of smart. miserable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're a smart band, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we're doing that with our, our buddies, uh, Caveman Colt, who are Nuclear War Now, Black Metal. They're the shit. Um, that's going to be cool. And uh, we're going to be doing, you know, Miami, Tampa, a couple other cities. Um, and then we're going to be uh, we're going to be going out to L.A. Uh, in early April. And that's, you know, getting put together right now. Uh, I maybe shouldn't even be talking about it. But, you know, <laughs> if you live in L.A., we'll be there. Yeah. So look out. And, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, look, we're still kind of just like getting used to to being a band post COVID or whatever. Um, Yo, I guess I'll so, tell you, yeah, we're gonna, it's not, it's not done. All right. As somebody who had it last week, no, it is not done. Yeah, exactly. Not, yeah, not, not, I, I'm not I saying that you're saying. In, <laughs> yeah. No, I say post COVID in like, you know, finger air quotes, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean like we're, we're going to, we're going to do as, as much as we can and uh, we'll definitely, you know, be playing, you know, Baltimore and Philly and Boston and, you know, other, other East coast places. And mm-hmm. we're actually playing New York, uh, next weekend. I forgot to mention that as well. So we're going to be playing, uh, with, uh, Zabalba and section hate. And it, it's a, it's like a hardcore show, but, uh, it's cool because, you know, honestly, we haven't really played hardcore, any hardcore related thing in fucking Jesus, like five plus years. Yeah. So it'll be, cool and interesting to see how we go over with uh with that sort of crowd you know and i think it'll be fun so i think i think it'll go over well i think uh hardcore loves death metal right now so i think that's yeah i think it's a good time i think so too i mean i always i always um you know as a as a guy with feet firmly planted in both styles i you know i always would see hardcore kids wearing you know, obituary teachers. <laughs> I was going to any death metal shows. <laughs> I so was going to say I, the camouflage like, hey, obituary hat. That's, that's, that was a staple uh-huh, for a while. And, yeah. 
there's no fucking way most of those people are going to death metal shows. Uh, no, but no, maybe no. that's changed. And <laughs> also we're, we're coming to them. Like they don't even have to go to a death metal show there. We're going to come to their show. So that's that, even better. That know? might be just a niche that you need to fill as genocide pack. Just be the hard, be the death metal band that goes to the hardcore bands. You know how like, you know how like all out war or ringworm are like these metal bands that live in the hardcore world. I mean, I'm not saying that's what you totally. should do, but, but because no, I think, I think we, it would have, honestly, we, yeah. we fuck with, we fuck with ringworm and all out war hard. Actually, it's funny that you say that because we were supposed to do shows with ringworm and all out war together, <laughs> like the three of us. That'd be sick. Uh, so obviously you're not the first person who's made that, uh, comparison. You know? Right. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. We All are right. apparently our booking agents agreed too. <laughs> Let's just do that tour. I want to see that tour. Yeah, I'd love to. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Connor from Genocide Pack. The song you just heard was Deprived, Degrade, off of Genocide Pack, which is out now on Relapse Records. Um, the show he just talked about there at the end, the one with Zabalba and uh, Scowl and Section Hate. I don't know if that happened. It was supposed to be this past weekend. If it did happen, that's great. But I feel like it was just announced that it didn't happen just before it was supposed to happen. Um, so as you can tell, this interview was a little bit dated, but not too bad. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, that's going to be it for this episode. I want to end it with a track from Fulminator. Have you heard of Fulminator? I haven't until recently, but uh, they're pretty cool. And they're a band from Puerto Rico. And they got a new song coming <laughs> coming out called Cyberpathic. It should be available everywhere right now. There's a, there's a music video for it as well, which is very cool. This band uh, looks pretty off the wall. And I wish I had heard of them before, but you should go check them out immediately. Um, they apparently are ex-intergalactic warlords, and uh, they play something that uh, you would probably just call crossover thrash, and I would too. So check out this song, Fulminator, and go check out Cyberpathic, the video, the single, wherever you can. Thanks again to Connor from Genocide Pack for doing the episode, and uh, go check out that record as well. All right, that's it for this one. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.